morning, I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Psalms. This morning, we'll look at Psalm 145, Psalm 145, verses 1 through 8. In honor of God's Word, I want to invite you to stand to your feet as we read the passage together. Psalm 145, verses 1 through 8. I will extol you, my God and King. And bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. And they shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for these, this ancient song book, Lord, that teaches us how to worship, teaches us how to praise, teaches us, Father, how to encounter you in uh, fresh ways with the reality of the rawness and the grittiness of real life. And so I pray, Father, teach us, Lord, how to worship you, how to praise you, no matter what circumstances we find ourselves in. Uh, help us to, to learn to be great praisers of God. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. At the end of the message last week, uh, we saw the prophet uh, Habakkuk defiantly setting his will towards praising God even in the midst of adversity. As you'll recall, he was, he was told by God that the whole of the people of God were soon to be cast into exile to be conquered by the Babylonians. And yet he chose, in spite of the fact that his knees were trembling and his lips were quivering at the thought and the fear of that reality that was soon to come, he chose to praise. Habakkuk 3, 7 through 8 says it like this. Though the fig tree should not blossom, uh, nor fruit tree, nor fruit, excuse me, beyond the vines, the produce of the oil fell. The, yield, the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet, 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 even so I will rejoice in the Lord. And I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Well, determining to praise God in the whirlwind of of adversity uh, reveals to us how Habakkuk was a, a well-trained and well-practiced praiser. I don't even know if that's a word, but it's going to be this morning. Someone, a praiser, someone who is able to, to guide and direct your own soul, their own soul to rejoice and to take joy in the Lord, instead of melting in fear 
and in the midst of severe trials. That's a mark of a seasoned worshiper, a professional praiser, if you will. You can't praise God in hard times if you have not been praising God in the good times. But for many of us, the only time we praise God is really on Sunday morning. And even then, many of us are just singing lyrics. We sing these lyrics that contain uh, truths that we have are now thinking of in this particular moment. But not so much uh, thoughts that we've had during the week. Uh, things that we have considered all week long. In other words, we, we have not brought in our worship from the week into the worship experience, but we use the worship experience to try to make it through another week. And so uh, for, for many people in American churches today, uh, we are Sunday-only worshipers. Many of us are. Praise, uh, I think it's very similar to prayer in that it is, it is not the most easy thing to do to be honest. Uh, many of us find it difficult to do it with any kind of sincerity. We, we make the phrase, uh, praise the Lord, hashtag praise the Lord, uh, rather rote in many ways. Sometimes we, we make it a rather cheesy statement and void of any real meaning when we say it just about everything. You know, hey, man, I just got the new iPhone this week. Well, <laughs> praise the Lord. And we say it about everything. You, you notice uh, that no one ever says praise the Lord when something bad happens. We, we never do that. Hey, my doctors uh, came back with a report this, this week and turns out that it's cancer. Well, <laughs> praise the Lord. We would never say that because, because it doesn't seem right, right? We, we, we save our praise for, well, the iPhone but not for cancer. But what we find from Habakkuk is that adversity is one of the best times to praise the Lord. Can you say praise the Lord when the doctor report comes back negative? The Bible says that he gives us all things, he gives and he takes away, blessed be the name of the Lord. Can we say blessed be the name of the Lord? When he gives, absolutely. Easy then. But to say, blessed be the name of the Lord when he takes it away, well, that's much more difficult. And so the Bible tells us that we are to praise the Lord uh, at all times in the midst of all circumstances. In fact, Psalm 34, 1 through 3 says it like this. I will extol, extol the Lord when? At all times, his praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice as well. Glorify the Lord with me. Who's he saying that to? The afflicted. Come on, afflicted. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. David, by the way, wrote that psalm when he was forced to run uh, from the Philistines, from Saul, or he ran to the Philistines from Saul. He, he acted like he was insane. He, he, he had lost all 
aspects of, of dignity at this point. Or how about in the New Testament, if you want a New Testament example, how about Paul and Silas in a Philippian prison? They are in stocks and chains. They are at the center of this prison. They have been beaten. Their bodies are, are literally bleeding and bruised, and they are in stocks and chains because they serve the Lord. And what do they do at midnight? They sing, well, uh, you know what would be a good idea? Let's have a praise service. Let's have a praise service. I, I wonder uh, how many of us, you know, would be excited about the idea of a midnight praise service. The, the kind of response to suffering that praises God at midnight under such horrific conditions is not of this world. It's supernatural. Uh, praise in daily life is hard enough as it is, to be honest. Because there's days where you just get up in the morning and you do your thing and it's so busy and the kids are up and you're doing your thing all day long and you go to work and there's all kinds of deadlines and stuff that you're dealing with and you come home and you do dinner and you're exhausted and before you know it, you're gone to bed and not one word of praise has come out. It's not easy. It's not easy. The theologian uh, John Webster, in his book, Christ Our Savior, expressed it like this. Listen to this, this is beautiful. He says, our praise isn't perfect and free because we're sinners. Only slowly learning how to praise God. Like everything else about us, praise is caught up in the process of being transformed by the Holy Spirit. It's sanctified, that is. It is made holy and therefore made really human. Praise is one of those things that we have to learn to do as through the grace of God we are remade, changed from rebels into God's docile and willing and obedient people. We're fallen. We are self-absorbed. Our, our appetites are disorderly. Our desire for God is sluggish. Our delight in the things of God needs to be stimulated. We can only slowly grasp what it means to gladly acknowledge the truth about God because so much of our lives are hell-bent on repudiating that truth or evading it or to try to make it into something a bit more palatable. So praise, listen to this, praise involves toil. Submitting to the process in which the warped framework of our lives is bent back into shape, reordering so that praise becomes once more our nature. What, what Webster is, is saying is that praising God is, is not natural to fallen human beings. It's not natural to us. And so it requires a, a work of the Spirit within us it requires a lot of toil and practice from us. And so we're talking about praise practice today. Because to be good at anything, you need to, to train at it. You need to, to practice. You need to practice. When you watch an NFL game, if, you, if you're into football and you watch the NFL this afternoon, you're watching some of the greatest athletes in the world. And we sit there on our couch with our bag of potato chips going, ah, Look at that guy. Can't throw the ball, you moron. And, and, and we're sitting there, you know, like, 
like we know anything. These are the greatest athletes in the world. They have they ate, drank, and slept football for years. They go to practice every single day. They watch game film every single week, and on and on and on. Their lives are poured in to this one thing that we sit with our chips going, no, terrible, just terrible. When you listen to a great musician perform, right, you're not just listening. They didn't just get up that morning and say, you know, oh, this is kind of a neat instrument. I think I'll hit the stage tonight. Now, you're, you're watching someone who is able through thousands of hours of practice to hone their skills to be able to perform in such a way that a crowd thought it worth paying money to see. Practice. Training. Now, when I think about that, I go, man, I can't think of anything more worthy, more worthy for us to spend our lives on, hours of training on, than becoming great worshipers. Great praisers of God. Because really, that's the only thing that we will do for all eternity. That's the only thing that we're going to continue to do beyond this life is to be worshipers and praisers of God. I don't know about you, but I'm never going to suit up for anybody in the NFL, and I'm never going to get on a stage with an instrument, at least not play it. And so because of these realities, there's one thing that I can do. There's one thing that all of us can do is we can worship the living God, and we, become, we can become really, really good at it. But it takes practice. It takes practice. Look at verse 3 here in Psalm 145. I think verse 3 is, is, is kind of the, the one verse that, that leaps off out of these eight verses that kind of spring forth everything else that I want to say this morning. Psalm 145.3 is our foundation verse. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is unsearchable. Great is the Lord. And therefore, he is greatly to be praised. Well, what does it mean uh, to say that great is the Lord? Well, obviously, it means that he is uh, amazing, right? One of the things that we're doing in our um, Wednesday night Bible study class is we're going through the attributes of God. And one of the things that we have discovered is these attributes of God are not just simply ways... Uh, that describe God's nature, which they do. But, but we have learned that they are an expression of those attribute, attributes, those things of God, that God contains them, that God is those things to their fullest, most extreme and perfect amount. So, for example, if we say that God is holy, God is holy, well, that means that God is, is holiness to the fullest, that there is no lack in God's holiness, that there is no room for God to grow more holy than he already is. He is the fullest expression. He can't get holier, nor can he lose any of his holiness. And, and so when you think about the attributes of God, you can do it with every single one. To say that God is love means that he is the fullest possible expression of what Love is. God defines it. He cannot love 
more or less. And so when you say that God is great, it means you take all of the attributes of God and you say that he is the fullness of all of this. It's just mind-boggling. Our minds are not able to conceive of how great he is. That's why the passage says that his greatness is unsearchable. It means that his greatness, the word unsearchable in the Hebrew, means un, un understandable, unknowable. Now we can know it to a certain level that we're able to comprehend, but we're, we're very finite creatures. Right? We, we can only think so far. So whatever you think uh, of the greatness of God, whatever your limit of, of imagining how great he is, is far short of the reality. And so, to, to understand God like that, it says, great is the Lord, and the natural response to that is, is to, to praise Him. And it's, not, it's not like God, by the way, it's not like God is, is some kind of egomaniac that's going, I, I really have kind of a self-esteem issue, I need some people to praise me, right? No, uh, Praise, our praising God, our worshiping God is, is, is not for him because he needs nothing. But it's for us. Because when you praise God, right, a, a certain level, everything changes. A certain level of joy accompanies praising God. It changes our perspective. It changes the way we see our situation. It changes the way we see reality. It changes the way uh, we, we, we have an attitude about life in general if we're basically a, a more pessimistic in our nature then praising God helps us to kind of let loose of that and be a little more optimistic about life about the world and so we need to learn to praise God and that starts by beholding his his greatness more on that in just a moment so if there's one thing right uh, that we can be great at it is to praise God. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. In other words, that when we praise God, we're to do it really well. We're, we're to do it greatly. We're to do it in such a way that it reflects the greatness of God. So, so if we come to worship God and it's like, you know, uh, blah, blah, blah. We're kind of half-hearted singers, right? That does not reflect, we're not praising God greatly. We're praising God mediocrely. I don't even know if that's a word, but I'm just throwing them out here today. And so when you look at these things and you go, man, God is so magnificent. He's so glorious. He's so great. There's a natural expression that wants to say, I have to say something about that. But if we don't see him as great, or experience him as great, then we're, we're likely not to praise him greatly. So great is the Lord, he is greatly to be praised. To do it well, to do it often, to make it a priority, to do it with a full expression of the heart, to do it with a fullness of mind. It, it means to do it to make it a habit of beholding the greatness of God and to respond accordingly, right? A great God should be acknowledged by great praise.
And if there's one thing that we can all do very well, very well that we can be great at, this is it. This is it. Right? We can all be great praisers. There's nothing, nothing holding us back from this other than our own self. I love that song we just sang where we're basically telling ourselves, all right, soul, don't you get shy on me, right? If us introverts, that's a great song for us because, you know, we like, we like to just kind of keep it on the DL. We like to kind of, well, I'm going to worship God calmly. And that's fine. I mean, you can worship God calmly. But like the Psalm 150 said, that there's other times where you need to let loose and you need to tell your soul that it's okay. Right? Listen, we're, we're small church. We, we may not be able to be a church filled with great numbers, but we certainly can be a church filled with great praisers. So all it takes is to build up our, our praise muscles, if you will. And Psalm 45 verses 1 through 8 gives us the practice, the practices, <clears throat> excuse me, that we need to greatly praise the Lord. So uh, I want to give you some of these practices uh, this morning. So these are things, this is a very practical message on how to practically praise God. The first one is this, we need to behold, behold the greatness of God. Behold the greatness of God. Psalm 145 was written by King David and it is an expression. He wrote this when he was in the midst of unconstrained worship. It was, it was pouring out from him. And I love how he just wrote down his, his thoughts. David was a lot of things, right? Not all of them were great things. But, but no one can deny that David was a great worshiper. He was a great praiser of God. So when he writes Psalm 145, it's actually written in the form of an acrostic poem. In other words, each verse begins with uh, the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. David praised God, we could say, from A to Z, or, or from Aleph to Tav in the Hebrew. Right? He, he pours out praise before God. Verse 1. He says, I will. Notice he's setting his will, just like Habakkuk did. I will, soul, I will extol you, my God and King. The word extol means to bless, but it also means to kneel. In other words, praise starts with humility. A prideful person cannot be a great praiser of God, right? Because we're way too focused on, on ourselves and earning our own praise. And so you got to be uh, humble to be a, a, a great praiser of God. You, you simply cannot be a, a great praiser until you behold the greatness of God because when you behold the greatness of God, then you see how great he is and then by comparison you feel very small. It humbles us. David the king acknowledges that uh, there is a king above him. He is a king, but there is a greater king. He is the God, and he is my God and my king, he says. So, so David is basically the king is going to kneel 
in a sense, kneel before the one true king. He's going to take the crown off of his own head. He's going to lay it at the feet of the king of kings. And so David is acknowledging, that's my king. He is my God. He lays down everything before him. Now, if you skip down to verse 3, the last part of verse 3 reminds us, as we said, that God's greatness is unsearchable, beyond comprehension, inexhaustible. There is no limit to God's greatness. Therefore, there is no limit to praise. Our ability to understand His greatness is limited because we're finite. And His greatness is infinite. That's why one of the glories of heaven is that we get to spend all eternity worshiping and praising Him, and it's never going to get old. It can't get old because His greatness just keeps extending forever. Here's the fullness of greatness, infinite in greatness. And so we never, after a billion years of praising God, go, man, is there something else we can do around here? Never going to happen. It's God's greatness that brings David to his knees and he pours forth praise and adoration. Our, our, our greatest and our highest thoughts about God uh, are always going to have their limits. Our understanding is always going to fall short, uh, but we get forever and ever and ever to grow, to continue, to never stop praising God. But David has established a rhythm, I think, of thinking about the greatness of God. He says in verse 5, On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. I don't, man, I'm just going to meditate. I'm just going to hold before me the beauty and the glory and the majesty of God. I'm going to just sit there in the midst of that and think and meditate. The Hebrew word for splendor consists of, of the words beauty, dignity, and honor. So, so while the word majesty has uh, basically the same exact meaning in the Hebrew text, the idea is that I'm going to meditate on the beauty of your beauty. Is literally what he's saying. And, and so that's what the, his, his praise is consisting of. Uh, take... Take your Bible and, and uh, look over one psalm, to Psalm 146. In Psalm 146, we, we basically see this lived out, written out. The first thing you find in Psalm 146 is that uh, it is bookended by the words, Praise the Lord. Verse 1, Praise the Lord, Praise the Lord, O my soul. Verse 10, the Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Last word is praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from beginning. Praise the Lord to the very end. Praise the Lord, O my soul. So what is the psalmist praising the Lord about? Well, then you read verse 10. I will praise the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, sons of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed is he whose help is the God of Jacob, 
whose hope is the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry, the Lord who sets the prisoners free, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind, the Lord lifts up those who are bowed low, the Lord loves the righteous, the Lord watches over the sojourner, he upholds the widow, he upholds the fatherless, but the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. And then he's like, praise him. Praise him. And every single one of those lists is how God comes through for the oppressed. It's bookended by praise the Lord. So he's praising him. He's eternal. He's the creator. He's faithful forever. He's compassionate. He's loving to the poor. He's loving to the oppressed. He's loving to the blind, to the lame, to the outcast. And spiritually speaking, that's every single one of us. And so he can't help but just see himself in this and this just ex- erupt and express it going, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I can't believe he's merciful to me. And so he's continually directing and guiding on his own soul. Praise the Lord. Here, here are ten reasons in his head. He goes, I just think of ten reasons I can praise the Lord right now. You can do that every single day. Every single day, you can go, here's 10 reasons. It's, natu- it's a natural reaction to praise something glorious. And the greater it is, the more we praise it. Right? So, so if you go and you get you a great fast food burger, which I know is an oxymoron, but let's just say you just happen to go, you're just starving and you're going, this is really a great burger. What did you just do? You just praised the burger. That's a great burger. Now, a week from now, you're not talking about it anymore. Not likely. You're not going, oh, I cannot get over that hamburger. <laughs> you're just not doing that, right? You go to like a, 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 a gourmet restaurant, right? Michelin star restaurant. There's a good chance that that may be the best meal you ever ate. I can promise you a week later, you're going, man, you're not going to believe the meal I had last week. You're going to be telling people about it. You can't help but praise it. So the greater it is, the more value you give to it, the more you talk about it, the more praise extends from you. C.S. Lewis talks about this. He said this, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment of it. It is a point, it is a point of consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. It is frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is. To come suddenly at the turn of the road upon some mountain valley of unexpected grandeur and then to have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than for a tin can in the ditch. Or to hear a good joke and find no one to share it with. That's what we do. It's just a natural expression when you imagine or see something or you read something or you hear something. you got to share that. And you got to express it. And you do so when you express it. That's, that's praise. It's a natural reaction to something glorious. And so when we behold God continually, then we are able to better... Learn to praise him. When we practice by beholding him, we continually go, hey, he's great. He is so great. 
And then, you know, there's 10 things that I just have, have to praise him for. Then you turn around the next day and you take 10 new things and you just go, oh my goodness, he's amazing. He's amazing. By the end of the week, you know, you've got 35 things that you just, I don't know the math, but, but you just go, I can't believe, I can't believe how glorious and, and wonderful he is. And then you come in here and we sing about it and you're prepared to express these songs, these songs, these lyrics, they express what my heart has encountered all week long. So that brings me to the second thing, and that's to establish praise habits. Establish praise habits. Look at verses 1 through 3 again. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever. Verse 2, every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Now again, he's directing his own will. He's basically going, all right, I'm committed to this. How often am I going to praise the Lord? Every single day. Every day. Great is the Lord. Greatly to be praised. Greatly to be praised means I ought to do this every single day. Your greatness is unsearchable. Now, if we're going to be great praisers of a great God, then we have to, we have to do it regularly. And that's the idea of establishing praise habits. We need to funnel everything, the normal activities of life, back to God. David says, every day, every day I will bless your name and praise you. Now, I'm not talking about just simply waking up in the morning and having a quiet time. That's great. But I'm talking about just learning to practice praising God all throughout your day. There are a thousand things we can praise God for in the span of a single day if we're intentional about it. And you do it regularly, and it just becomes natural. It's not a bad thing to praise God out of habit. You're going, well, are you saying that we should just praise God out of just because it's our habit? Yes! Yes, I think that we should. Because what are habits? It's practicing something over and over until it's no longer a habit. That is just naturally part of who you are. For example, uh, like Psalm 146 that we read a second ago, right? For example, this is what we could all do. You could practice bookending your day with praise. You start in the morning before your feet hit hit the ground, before you start getting up and getting moving, man. Just you wake up and you go, praise God. Praise God for sleep. Praise God for some rest. You know, if you got some sleep, you ought to praise God for it. Praise Him for giving you another sunrise to behold. He didn't have to. You can praise Him for the smell and taste of good coffee. Whoo! Every day. You can praise Him for the sound of little feet running through the house getting ready for school. Praise Him. You can praise Him uh, as you make your kids lunch going, man, I can't, I have, I have food to feed my kids with. You can praise Him when you open a window and you hear the birds sing. And that won't be long from now. Today's October. Today's October. We're going to get down. I mean, we're plummeting to like a 92s today. It's awesome. Right? So you, you can open your windows soon. You're going to praise. You're going to hear the birds. You're gonna hear, and those birds are singing praises to God. And you can join them in that. You can praise Him. I, I, I thought of this the other day. You know, there's so much talk these days about... UFOs and, and all that stuff, and I got I got to thinking about that, and I thought, man, you know, there are billions, 
There are billions of planets out there. But I bet we're the only one that has trees and cows and, and birds and bacon and eggs and sports and sports radio and, and driving to work in the morning and sunrises and, and words and language and meaning and purpose. Why is the alien? You ever notice that aliens are always the ugliest thing we can imagine? We never come up with something more beautiful than us. They're always more advanced in being able to fly around. But the only reason they're flying around is because they want to come here because this planet's so stinking cool. We're the only planet like that. We're, we're inundated with this, and we go through it, and just we're so used to it because this is our, you know, our world and everything that we don't stop and take a look around and go, this place is insane. This place is a miracle. There's some crazy stuff crawling around on the ground out here. I, I killed a giant wasp nest this week. I don't think there's anything quite as satisfying as that. And, and you, have you ever picked up one of those things? You talk about an alien. This, this world is nuts. God made that. I don't know why, but he did. And when you talk to someone, you have a conversation to some, with someone. Do you realize what's going on? You're talking to someone, and that person across from you is someone who was made in the image of God. <laughs> They're the, someone of whom the Spirit of God created and then breathed life into. And you're talking to them. Just having a conversation. Why in the world we have celebrities and put people on pedestals? I don't know, because every single person you talk to is a miracle. And if that person happens to be a follower of Jesus, you're talking to someone who has been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You're talking to someone who, who Jesus died for. He shed his blood for. Someone who one of these days is going to be crowned with glory. Everyday conversation. C.S. Lewis said it like this, There are no ordinary people. You have never talked to mere mortals. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, these are mortal. And their life is as ours, as a life of a gnat. But it is with immortals, with whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. And then you go to bed every night, right? Man, before you just go off into to La La Land, right, you have a litany of things that you have experienced in the last 12 hours that you could praise God for. You, know, you could just so much in just your one day. Lord, I, I, I thank you for every breath that I took. I thank you for every meal that I ate. I thank you for every conversation I had. I thank you for every challenge that you gave me. I thank you for the emotions, even the ones that, you know, where I was rocked from something from the world, that you were with me in that. I praise you for this day. I thank you for the songs I heard, the sights I saw, the thoughts I had. And I know not all of them were perfect. I thank you that you, you died for me so that every sin that I committed today, 
was already covered in the blood before I even got up. What a day. What a day this was. Will you ever have an ordinary day if that's your mindset? No. Every day is an opportunity for praise practice. When you're frustrated, when you're upset, when you're depressed, when your team loses, when your team wins, uh, every single day you say to yourself in the midst of it, well, it's time for praise practice. You get a bad report, just go hang up the phone. It's praise practice time. I guess I'm about to practice. You'll never be able to find a reason not to praise God. And so this is how we learn to praise God greatly. To go from Sunday-only praisers to full-time praisers, right? To become Hall of Fame caliber praisers. That's where I want to be. A Hall of Fame of praisers. Third thing. I just simply call this pass the praise. Look at verse 4. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Pass the praise. Right? What if the ultimate measure of parenthood is to raise up worshipers by commending them to them the works, the great works of God? And that's no guarantee, by the way, that they're going to become uh, great worshipers and praisers themselves. But if moms and dads talk to their kids constantly about the glories of God, you're certainly aiming them in the right direction. And how do we commend the works of the Lord to the next generation? Because we praise through our own praise. Right? How can we commend any, anyone to God when that same God does not take our breath away? That we're not just blown away by his, his glory. But it's not just the job of, of parents to pass on the praise. He says that we will pass on the praise from one generation to the next. One generation of Christians shall commend your works to another. Think about that in the church. We have an entire generation today of, of those who call themselves the nuns or the duns, Right? Uh, there's a new word for them, the nonverts. And we should be asking ourselves in the church today if we have failed them by not being overwhelmed and awestruck by the glory of God. And they come to our churches and go, those people, those people are not overwhelmed by this God. Why should I be? Those people are not awestruck by their God. Why in the world would I miss sleeping in on Sunday morning. I think in, in the church, you know, in America, we've been too busy trying to grow our numbers and trying to gain political power and trying to fix the world that we have forgotten the main thing. The main reason that we do any of it is to magnify and to glorify the greatness of God why we do it not to grow our church it's not it's, it's his church he said i'll build my church you glorify me we have failed to pass the praise 
And we think, man, there are children growing up in churches that are, are passionately awestruck by God and whose worship reflects that reality. Do they come and say, man, these people, I, I've been surrounded by people who treasure God more than anything else in this world. Verse 5 through 7, on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate and they shall speak of your might and your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame. What shall pour forth the fame? Either the people that he's speaking to or, or his praises about the goodness of God and sing aloud of your righteousness. Sing it aloud. Share it often. That's what he's saying. Right? Imagine uh, a, a generation of people who, who were raised up by people that were going, man, this God is he's so overwhelming. Instead of bailing on church, they go and they take what we have declared to them, these awesome deeds of God, and they turn into praisers and worshipers who can't help but shout out about the good, goodness and glory of God, who can't help but sing at the top of their lungs, our God is so righteous and beautiful. Man, if you want a vision for your family, for your church, there you go. There's none higher than that, is there? I will, I will see him in all of his beauty and glory and majesty, and then I won't even be able to help tell people how come we can tell people about a good movie but we can't tell people about a great God last thing is this is we need to preach the gospel to ourselves every day I've said this before you knew I was going there preach the gospel to yourself every single day you want to become a great praiser be familiar with the gospel Right? If you're born again, then even if all hell is breaking loose in your life, you still have a serious reason to praise God, don't you? Right? You have been chosen. You have been chosen by God from before the foundation of the earth. Right? You have won an eternal lottery that makes the Powerball look like chump change. Right? You are among those rare few whom the creator of the universe, the eternal God, whose greatness is beyond knowledge, said, for you, I am sending from heaven my one and only Son into the world to save you and redeem you. This triune God, who is great beyond measure, sent his Son, and his Son <laughs> became a, a human, God became a human being and he took on flesh and blood. Why? So that he could pour out his blood and his flesh could be torn. So that he could be tortured and crucified for you and me. And this great Jesus, this great Jesus became nothing, became as a servant so that by becoming nothing, you and me could become great. In the sight of God. And for what reason? What reason did he find in us that he would go to such 
incredible, mind-blowing levels that we might be saved. What have we done? What merit or goodness did he see in us that made such a sacrifice worthy? What do we do? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. In fact, what, what he saw in us was an unworthy, a, a disobedient, a rebellious, a self-focused, a self-seeking, self-promoting sinner who only deserved death and hell. That's what he sees. And yet, and yet, God chose us before the foundation of the world. He died for us. He was raised for us. He put his spirit in us. He ascended to heaven to prepare a place for us. Right? He is coming back for us. He's going to give us new bodies. He's going to give us a new home, new heaven, new earth, and we will live with him for all eternity. Now you tell me, do we have a reason to praise God? Absolutely. Does he deserve to be praised greatly? I mean, it's going to require all of eternity to praise God for all that he has done for us. And we have been given that. An entire eternity to do just that. Well, I want to give you a, a closing, just a glimpse of what that's going to be like from the book of Revelation, chapter 7, 9 through 12. I'll just read it. Oh, there it is. After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count. That's, that's where we're at. And then from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and they're wearing white robes, and we're holding palm branches in their hands, and they're crying out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels are standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures. They're blown away by this. And so they can't help but fall on their faces before the throne and worship God saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that you are a God who has saved us by your your mercy, your perfect mercy. A mercy that cannot be made greater or lesser. And so, Father, we, we come and we have so many reasons to praise you. So many. And why, why we, we don't do a better job of it is because we get so tied up that the devil does such a great work of distracting us from that because he doesn't want us to find encouragement. He doesn't want us to have any other attitude except one of negative defeat. He doesn't want us to give you the glory you deserve because he's always wanted it for himself. So he hates your praise. which makes me want to do it all the more. And so we praise you this morning. We praise you this morning.
going to give you an opportunity to do just that. If there's, man, if there's any, any word, just a word or something that you just want to say, man, I just praise, praise him for this. Uh, then let's do it. Let's do it as a church. Let's practice. And just shout it out, right? If you're, if you're an introvert, you're not used to shouting out in church, uh, tell your introverted self, all right, dude, you're going to have to buck up here. God's greater. Let's do it. Yes. Amen. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. Steadfast love, never ending, never, never running short, never does he go, okay, that's it, never. Praise him. Yes. 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 Amen. Yes, he is. Yes. 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 Amen. Amen, Billy. Praise him. Praise him uh, for who he is. Praise him for what he has done. What are the, some of the things that, that he has done in your life that you could just praise him for? Oh, it's so generous. Yeah. Yes. Amen. Yes. Yes. Amen. 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 Yeah. I praise him that that uh, even in adversity that he takes everything and he turns it for his good. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, I don't know how many we just came up with, but it was more than 10. It's never ending. It's never ending. It's just the simple, simple things. You know, we praise him for just his glory and his greatness, but his greatness is seen everywhere. His greatness is seen in a wildflower. We're just so used to it, but have you ever stopped and looked at the design of those things? He's an artist. Magnificent. And, and, and he's such an amazing artist that he's like going, you know what, I'm going to stick this thing out in the middle of a field, and the only 
person that's going to see it is the ants and me. Every time they uh, show one of these new creatures that they've discovered, you know, some crazy-looking creature at the bottom of the ocean, going, we, we've never seen this before. This is a first. God's been going, oh, yeah, I made that, like, a long time ago, and that thing's been praising me for a while. There's so many good things, and, and it's so worthy of our praise. So uh, I want to invite you to stand. Let's, let's just sing together uh, a song of praise of praise and and uh and celebrate him and then jim will come up with announcements will be dismissed <laughs>